Have you ever wondered how some families manage to radiate joy in their homeschooling journey? Well, there are secrets to that joy that anyone can learn, according to our guest, Bonnie Landry, who will give us some tips on preparing for a joyful homeschool year. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and we're talking about preparing for a joyful homeschool year with Bonnie Landry. Bonnie is an ordinary Catholic mom living on Vancouver Island with her family. She and her husband, Albert, have raised or are still raising seven children who range in age from 13 to 32. Three of the children are now married, and the avalanche of grandbabies has begun. Yay! Bonnie's mission is joy, living simply Disciplining with dignity, fostering community, and encouraging others are all central to her life. Her mission is to encourage others to be present to the people they love and to show them that it is possible to learn how to make joy normal. (laughs) Homeschooling her kids for the last 28 years confirmed for Bonnie that strong relationships are fundamental for success in education as well as the rest of life. Bonnie says, Life is kind of a bust if you can't get along with people. Couldn't agree more. Welcome to the podcast, Bonnie. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you. I just so admire that you're all about joy because I feel like that's what shows people that authentic faith that guides our lives and attracts other people to the gospel. I think so. I think it's the uh, emotional expression of beauty. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to steal that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's dive in. It's uh, a lot of us are sort of uh, scrambling to start our homeschool year. We've been pondering it all summer and praying and, and now the pressure's on. So what are some ways to just start to create a joyful homeschool? Obviously, it's not something that happens all at once, a package that arrives at the door. (laughs) What do we do to begin? (laughs) Um, Well, I think that that one of the number one things we have to do and have to be aware of is every single day knowing that that's our goal, right? That our goal is joy. And I think that that's the thing that helps us to remember that heaven is our goal, right? So if we, where motherhood is hard, parenting is hard because we have to be so present in, you know, feet on the ground, eyes on heaven at the same time, you know, and learn how to do that, uh, that balancing act, right? And so sometimes just as simple as starting with our prayer life is, Lord, you know, how am I going to get to heaven today, right? And uh, how am I going to encourage my children with love? So um, I always recommend parents to beg uh, for the graces required. <laughs> <laughs> girl and beg for the graces required to uh, to get through this day and be cheerful. Mm, mm. I, I love that. Um, I, I quote this a lot, and it's probably in like 10 episodes already. But uh, Mother Teresa said that cheerfulness is often a mask for, uh, what did she say, a life of sacrifice. I, and I just love that because I think that's really true. I think the people that that know they're dependent on God and that know that they're meant to image him and pour themselves out for him really do find that joy. And it is a grace. Yeah, 
absolutely. And so we, we really, we really have to beg for grace every day. And if we, that becomes part of our, if that's the only thing we can, the, if it's the only thing that we can do in the day is, is, you know, maintain joy in our interactions with the people we love, you know, you've had a successful day, right? You know, but ultimately academics are just way more attainable when joy is present, right? When your relationships are strong, you know, people can't learn in angst. And so that's why, you know, it's a relationship first. It really, it really has to be a relationship with God, with spouse, with children has to be the place we start because we can't learn in angst. Right. Mm, absolutely right. I mean, when we're stressed, our cortisol levels go up, the amygdala kicks in, fight, flight, what is it, freeze or appease? That's not a good place to try to to connect and synthesize ideas and verbalize them. That's a place of panic. Exactly. And children's brains just fall out, you know, like if they're, you know, if they're stressed, their brain falls out, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, that's what we're dealing with. So if we remember, okay, brain is not in where it's supposed to be. <laughs> and we can, you know, think about the child first, right? And, and okay, what's this child dealing with? And, and how can I, because you know, learning isn't going to happen. The math problem isn't going to be solved. <laughs> right, exactly. What are some typical mindsets that get in the way of our, you know, sort of opening to that grace and, and being joyful? Yeah, I think that the, the biggest things that I see that ticking off the boxes hmm. becomes more important than the child, right? And so, you know, that's one of the things that, that is a big one. You know, okay, I've got this list of stuff I have to do. You know, what should be at the top of the list is love my child, <laughs> you know, have a good relationship with my child. But, you know, we've got, to, we've got the math and the, you know, skating lessons and the whatever else we're dealing with. And those, you know, somehow become the priority. So that's one thing, uh, taking off the boxes. Another thing is fitting the child into a curriculum that might not be working for you or them. And, you know, my, my take on that is if you are not experiencing joy, pitch it, right? Find, find another way. Find another way. And often we turn to curriculum. Okay, this year is going to be way better because I found the perfect curriculum, right? And there is a no perfect curriculum. But also, if we're trying to squeeze the child into the curriculum, as opposed to using the curriculum as our tool to teach the child, we can get into trouble because, okay, just for example, if you have a grade two language arts curriculum, there's some archetypical pretend child that's, that this, this curriculum has been developed for, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, the person developing it, the goal is to provide a good basic grade two curriculum that you know the intent is is good but, but of course we know that no child fits perfectly into one curriculum so we have to be willing to tear out pages or find a different way to teach you know this particular aspect of, of something you know maybe the the way they're teaching spelling or something like that to to adapt and be flexible and not think something's wrong with my child because they don't fit into the curriculum so those are two really really big um stressors and of course our relationship with our child right it's sometimes compromised and so we're not going to get anywhere we're not going to get anywhere if the relationship is compromised so mm. and and what do you think down deep is it that 
that makes us so uptight that we become overfocused on the checklist and making the child fit into the curriculum that sounded so good in the article or the catalog or in the conversation with another mom whose child is thriving using this curriculum. At, at the root of it, what do you think is going on with us when we get so uptight and we start to get in, in control mode? Such a good question, Lisa. The, the, um, we're confident raising our children to the age of five or the, the, the you know, bulk of their learning happens and we walk beside them and we teach them to speak and we teach them to walk and we teach them about danger and we teach them manners and we teach them how to use the bathroom and the things that are infinitely beyond uh, classroom learning that are, you know, really the, the, kind of, the kind of toughest, most time consuming learning our children have. And they hit five and we are so ingrained by the culture and that, you know, maybe we were schooled or most people are schooling or all, you know, we have all these cultural norms around us, you know, often filled with strife and, and flaws, but we think, okay, I'm, uh, they're the professionals, I'm the amateur and I want to do this thing and it's going to have to be pretty close to what we're doing and, and, you know, what that school system is doing. And it just shakes our confidence all to pieces, you know, and we have to make a decision in our lives to just not care anymore about what the school system is doing, you know, because we know we've chosen to homeschool because we don't like something that's going on there, you know, and I mean, that might not even be that we can't stand the school system or we don't like teachers or whatever it is we're thinking. It might just be that I think this is a better environment, you know, so why did you think that? And so I think parents, above all, <laughs> way more than the money they need on curriculum, spend on curriculum, the money they spend on books and on programs and all of that, what we need is confidence, right? And the most successful homeschoolers I've seen is they, they just have this, I don't care what's going on out there. I care what's going on in my home attitude, you know? And that's something you can learn, you know? If you're not a confident person, you can learn it, Right. And I feel like that's one of the roles that God has really given to me is just to really help parents be confident in what they're doing and encourage them, encourage, encourage, you know, and this is something that even if you're not sort of in the public eye and you're not a speaker or, or um, kind of out there in a big way that do your small, small part, you know, talk to your neighbor, talk to your fellow parishioner who's struggling with her homeschool life, let her know what your struggles were and really reach out, you know, in your own one-on-one -on -one way, you know, I have a very close friend who her and I work really well together because I'm the person out there, you know, talking to the crowds and she's a one-on-one -on -one person. And my husband's like that too, you know, very one-on-one -on -one and able to encourage people that way, you know, so beautiful. Yeah, it's a good it's a good thing. <laughs> it's nice while we're recognizing what's distinctive and and all of that about our children that we're discovering it in ourselves too that we're finding little charisms emerging um and that our communities are very lively places to grow and and how many times have I heard some of the best educators out there say that they learn more from their from their students than they actually you know, feel like they're teaching. I mean, that openness, that exchange of gifts is, uh, it's so Christian, isn't it? It is beautiful. And what's the body of Christ? You know, like we're just representing it, you know, every day. I've never walked away from a workshop where I'm teaching other parents where I don't, there's some beautiful takeaway, you know, whether it's me learning that I 
didn't communicate something very well and somebody brought me along in, in that way or or just some information that I can now pass on to other parents of you know some quiet person who sits in the corner and <laughs> they offer their beautiful wisdom you know so mm. yeah, yeah amen to that like angels unaware that we are in community <laughs> with each other it's amazing what God provides and if we're bringing and as you said getting down our knees and begging for that joy for that gift to be able to be purveyors of joy and to live in joy even in sorrow and joy you know let's be clear is not giddiness it's it's something fundamental at its core something that radiates hope <laughs> and hopefully peace and not that we feel joyful every minute but they work we're always working towards that we're practicing you know making that a, a daily part of our life right mm, beautiful so what questions can parents ask themselves in order to arrive at a vision for what their homeschools can look like with joy as a foundation so I think that one of the things that the, the, the toughest and most joyful thing that we experience as human beings is, is our relationships, right? And as Christians, we should always be thinking about our relationship with God. But I think that uh, many times what's getting in the way of our joyful homeschool is, you know, those annoying children we're trying to raise <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's very easy to think, well, you know, if this child just behaved, I would, you know, this would look so good. You know, if those annoying humans weren't in my life, you know, my life would be so easy. Um, <laughs> you know, the human beings are are hard. They're hard. And um, <laughs> so, so a couple of thoughts about that, because I think that's a bit vague. You know, how, you know, we need the relationships in our homes to be good. So here's a here's a question what what can we do about those relationships right um and i think a couple of things that i would like to recommend is a book called hold on to your kids by gordon newfeld i should have sent the link uh to that to you if you want to jot that one down. oh yeah i'll put that in the show notes no worries yeah, about he's very popular amongst homeschoolers he's a uh, he's a canadian psychologist um who homeschooled himself and although he's not writing from a christian perspective it is the most christ-like disciplinary methods I have ever encountered in my life. And I would say most Christians that have read the book and have adopted his uh, philosophy would feel the same way that, that, you know, our goal is to, is to be in relationship no matter what that takes. And, uh, and so the people that it's hardest. So, so that's one portion of that question. What can we ask ourselves? What am I doing to improve my relationships with my people? And they, it won't only improve your relationship with your kids, but everybody you encounter. Uh, so the other, the other part of that, and this is something I very much learned from him, is, is the relationships that are more difficult. We all have some difficult children to raise who are strong personalities, you know, who we're, we're butting up against more regularly. And uh, first of all, why is that happening and what can we do about it? And I think that the most important thing to bear in mind is that those kids who are the really strong personalities, they're kind of the unbreakable kids. Like if they were the kids that you could, you could threaten them to the ends of the earth, <laughs> and they don't care. Okay, they don't care what what you're going to punish them with. You have to find another way with those kids, right? Because punishment is not going is never going to be the answer. All right. And the 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 upside of that 
is that they're going to be the saints that are that are never going to give in, right? If that if that's channeled properly, they're the people who are are going to be the war heroes. That doesn't matter how much they were tortured, they didn't give up the secrets. Right? They're going to be the saints that that no matter what it came down to, they're never going to deny God and they're going to die for their faith. Those are the people we want them on our team, right? Yes, yes. They're hard to raise. They're hard yes. to raise. Yeah, strong you know, spirits. It's hard to channel that. And, you know, the, the beauty of being able to interact with people like that, difficult people, recognizing the, the beauty of their tenacity and working with it, and, you know, is a, is a big plus, right? The easy kids to homeschool are, are the ones that might also be led astray more easily. You know, not necessarily, but, you know, um, you know, more go along with whatever is uh, is coming their way, right? So those, those tenacious kids are, are um, we have to consider them our biggest gifts, right? Wow, I love that. The tenacious <laughs> kids. It's a great word, tenacious. Yeah. It's so positive. And you yeah. can see once you start to look at it through that lens of God has gifted this child with this personality and this drive, uh, and it's how can we order it toward God? How can we create an environment for that child to thrive? And 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 if we're not threatening with the stick all the time, and any just thoughts on that child? Like what what kinds of things do help that child to thrive and to to learn respect? <laughs> exactly, a couple of things. So so the um, Gordon Newfeld, the book that I uh, gave you um, the, the link to put in, what he would say is we always need to avoid like a carrot and stick paradigm with our kids where we're goading or threatening or, um, you know, soliciting what we want from them with, with a, um, an external, right. That we're trying to develop the internal and he's, he just, he gave me so many beautiful gifts. And one of them would be that before you ask something of your child, and I've, I started doing this with all my kids, whether they were the difficult, you know, more difficult personalities or, or, um, the, you know, more easygoing personalities, was uh, connect with your child before you ask something of them, right? And so it's such a beautiful thing. So he, you know, your child comes in, they drop their coat on the floor. And, you know, one of our things is, it, you know, to bark at them, pick that coat up, right? And, uh, you know, if we said, oh, you, you look like you're having lots of fun outside. Um, you know, what was that like? What are you guys doing outside? Hey, can I just get you to pick your coat up off the floor? Just so you're kind of, in a sense, massaging the relationship first. And you know what? Ultimately, what I learned after doing this for a little while was this is Christianity at its finest. You know, that we spend a moment connecting with our people before we ask anything of them, before we you know, jump into our, you know, uh, hey, I'm trying to get supper on the table. Can you give me a hand with that? Hey, how was your day at work? You know, how was your day at school? How was, um, you know, your time at your friend's house? And and here's, may I share a little analogy? Oh, please do. Okay. So interesting. That, that if um, some kids are born, these are usually the tenacious, harder to connect with kids, are kind of just born with a, a higher defense system. Okay, that that uh, there's a connection with our children that is sometimes compromised. Okay, with some kids, with some of my kids, not compromised at all. With some kids, it's kind of always um, uh, fragile, right? So if a neighbor kid walked into your house and said, 
uh, they walked into your home and you knew them quite well. And you said, oh, hey, um, I'm just making supper. Could you set the table? Like, that would be kind of, a, kind of an overreach, okay? <laughs> an overreach of our expectation of the neighbor's kid. You know what I'm saying? And so, however, if we kind of chatted, with, oh, hi, you know, Sam, how are you doing? Nice to see you. You guys have been uh, playing a lot this week. That's lots of fun. Hey, are you staying for supper tonight? Uh, oh, yeah, I am. Um, hey, do you, could you give me a hand? I'm trying to get supper on the table. Would you mind setting the table, right? A little bit of a massage, a little bit of connection. And, and, then, and then it would be completely appropriate to ask for your help, right? So the kid with the compromised, fragile connection with us, we're kind of looking at the same thing. When they walk in the door and we say, oh, hey, can you set the table? There's that s- sort of neighbor kid reaction that there's co- they are feeling some kind of overreach. Like, hey, wait a minute. I mean, they're not maybe cognizant of this, but that, that hey, wait a minute. Well, there's a lack of connection here and you're already, you know, directing me to do a thing. As a parent, we have every right to direct, but if we're sensitive to, uh, to the fact that this child may feel disconnect, that we, if we just take a moment uh, before we say, Oh, Hey, can I get you to see what kind of do a little bit of uh, um, uh, rapport? You know, we're, yes. we're and then say, can you do this thing? I, I, the, the most unbelievable difference on the planet about how the request plays out. Right. And in, in, in a way, I feel like and this is something I was so guilty of when my daughter was little and I I had my daughter late in life. I'd been infertile for a long time. And so. I was alone in, you know, in my 40s a lot of the time with this child at a point where like, <laughs> I was just not the most patient person anymore. And yeah. uh, if I ever was. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but when we started homeschooling, or anytime I was hanging out with other moms, it really schooled me in social skills with my child. I feel like adults have social skills with each other, most of us. But we forget that we need to use those same skills with our children so they don't feel used and disregarded. Yeah, go set the table instead of, I love you first, and then, and then a request afterwards because what's the priority? Exactly. The pri- it's always the relationship. And so, you know, and what I found was I started doing that with all my kids because it felt so respectful and so lovely. And how, how much do we like it? Even when we walk into a grocery store. And uh, the clerk says, oh, hi, how are you doing today? You know, like if they don't even make eye contact with us, we just feel like we're just, you know, a customer walking through the store. You know, what a beautiful gift to give to those in your very close circle. But then, you know, in, in your larger circle, it's just, it's a, it's a habit. It's just a good habit. Right. So, yeah, just one little tip that was very, very helpful to me. All right. Now you work with a lot of moms. You've done a lot of training in this area. And what typically do you see as practical areas of home life that get in the way of joy? Uh, clutter, for sure. Clutter as in just the stuff we own, right? That's, you know, as simple as that, how much stuff we own. And again, if you're not, you don't use it, you don't love it, get rid of it, you know, but there are better tools out there. I mean, I can say that, but sometimes hard to get rid of things. Uh, there are better tools out there that we can use. The one that was really had a really big impact on me was a book called Sync Reflections. We spoke about that earlier, Sync Reflections by Mark Healy. And um, lovely, lovely book. 
uh, I would avoid the website. I found it overwhelming, but the book was lovely and encouraging and, uh, um, kind of quiet, you know, a quiet encouragement. Uh, that's a lovely book. Uh, there's a new book on the market now. Um, the life changing magic of tidying up. Yeah. Also a, a really neat approach of just living without clutter. Uh, so I, and, but clutter can come in many, many forms. And one of the forms is just too busy. And same way. So Marla Silly would suggest that we, we empty out a drawer, completely empty out a drawer and only put back in what belongs in the drawer, what we want in the drawer. And then it, it's pause for um, looking at what's not in the drawer and deciding, okay, where, where does this belong now? If I don't want it in the drawer, does it appropriately belong somewhere else or is it just junk, right? Or is it just donation stuff? So we, it, we have to examine. By emptying the drawer, we examine, right, all the things. And so I think that for homeschooling parents in particular, I mean, everybody really should be doing this regularly, is that we need to empty out our life in the summertime. And, you know, don't assume that because we did... Uh, music and soccer and, you know, baseball and uh, Tai Chi and all, you know, the 15 things that we had on our slate last year that we should be doing them again this year, right? Activities are good. Sometimes even more activities is better, but we, oh, there was always a tipping point, right? Where it's, now it's bad. <laughs> We're cluttered up with obligations, right? There's no time yeah. to reflect. Exactly. And so every summer, if we, you know, and especially many of us are dealing with big families, if we take time to, okay, let's take everything out of the drawer of our to-do list and put it all on the table and say how much I have a new baby, um, you know, maybe uh, my mother is unwell. There's, look at all the aspects of your life that are, are the non-negotiables, right? And then start putting in what you think is appropriate. You know, how many times can I be out in a week? And I think we, we tend to just assume, okay, well, because the kids are in this, we need to be in this. Or because this homeschool co-op is going on and this one's going on over here, that I must be part of that. I'm doing my children a huge disservice to not be part of that. Um, that we really need to look at what's actually realistic. And I think we need to start with how many days do I need to be at home? Right? to make my life work. I found that if I wasn't home three days a week, that housework fell apart, education fell apart, our sense of, my kids would really feel it, like they would want to be out all the time if I was out too much. Like it was like they didn't know what to do with themselves at home. And so, you know, you need time to just settle in and be at home. A lot of times we're out of the house because it's a place we can't stand being. It's too cluttered, it's too noisy, it's too whatever. So, um, so, temporal clutter uh, in what we do and temporal clutter in what we own. You know, those are, those are things um, we need to take a look at and temporal clutter, about what we worry about, you know, like what I actually need to worry about, you know? Um, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, I, I love that you started with that nice practical kind of kinesthetic image of dumping the drawer out and putting the things back into the drawer that you really want there and then reflecting on the other objects as if it's a giveaway that will bless someone else to use Marla's typical. Yeah, I uh, love yeah, that phrase. Says, oh. That was the phrase that got me through. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This could bless someone else. And and so you don't feel like you're wasting anything. And it's this hoarding instinct that we can have, or this just tendency to let things pile up. Because we're on a treadmill, the two feed into each other, the clutter builds up when we're not setting an example of home is important. And this is a good place to be. And the other thing I love about Marla Silly, and and I do only recommend that signing up for the website and the newsletter and everything, if you're doing this with other people and you like goals for the day and goals for the week and goals for the month and stuff like that, if that drives you and helps you, because some people really thrive in that, and I did for a period of time, but you're absolutely right. She has this gentle way of putting things in perspective in a really simple way that then you can unpack and look at that. Now I'm looking at our obligations, our time sinks, where are we spending our time? How much time are we outside of the home? What are my other, what are the other things that belong in this drawer first? My sick mother, my new baby, my husband, my children, my home, those things go into the drawer first. I really love that as a metaphor. That's so helpful. When I think that when we learn how to reduce clutter in our lives, what, what happens is we, we reduce the clutter in our brain, clearing up more space to be present to the people that we love. And that's so, so important, you know, that we, you know, forget. It's easy to forget when we're, we're worried and stewing on, on so many things. It's a, kind of a Mary and Martha question, really, isn't it? That we always clutter <laughs> in your brain so that you can be present, you know, and, um, and we all want to be present. You know, we're just not always aware of how to go about that. You know, we all want the good and the true and the beautiful for our kids, you know, but we, we lack tools. We lack the tools to to uh, to do that. There, may I mention one other beautiful book that's just popping into Absolutely. my brain? Absolutely. Do you know Thomas Howard? Yes. Okay, so Thomas Howard has a beautiful book called. It's called, it goes by two names. I do not believe it's in print anymore. Um, it's Hallowed Be This House. And um, just, what's the other name of it? I will look it up and find it for you. But yeah, it's and we'll put it in the show notes. Thank you. The home. And what the spiritual significance of the home is, and he walks you room by room about the spiritual significance of the home. And it's really cool. Really cool. It's a very different, it's not about how to keep house. It's about the importance of your house. You know, uh, starting that way. Sorry. I love that. That's so exciting. Fantastic. It's fantastic. And, just a real spiritual journey, very, very tiny book, but it'd be a great sort of book to read, um, you know, with another couple or with your spouse or, you know, to, to uh, be really solid on the why your home matters. Mm. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Um, tell us just briefly about your program because you're offering us a special gift and I'm really excited about that one. I want to know about it as we're wrapping up. Sure. So, for about the last, I don't know, this all sort of happened accidentally, but I would say it started maybe 18 or 20 years ago. Uh, I was not having the same kinds of stressors and, and um, difficulties, I would say, that may, maybe some of my other homeschool moms were having. And I didn't really know why, but I, I just sort of talking at our regular homeschool meetings, moms would, moms would say, well, how do you do this? And I was a pretty newbie, you know, I was new to homeschooling. How, how do you do this? And I sort of describe how we did it. And, and one of the moms said, you know, would you offer like a workshop on how your day looks? Right. And I said, sure. And I sort of had to reflect on what I was doing. 
maybe and and you know I'm not in other people's homes. I don't know why it was different necessarily than another person's home. So the evolution of this workshop was that I kind of presented what I do and it became very popular. So I started work sort of you know filling out the workshop, providing resources, providing encouragement and what I recognized sort of in the first few workshops as well, these moms really need to be lifted up. That's so important. And so Basically, what I do, it's a four and a half hour workshop. If I'm doing it live, it's a full day. So with breaks and whatnot. And I, I still love to do it live. If people are interested, I can only do it, you know, so many times a year live. But the, the video is uh, lovely. It was actually a wedding videographer that, that did it about three years ago for me. Um, and she just is very feminine and soft. I don't know if you've seen any of it, but it's oh, very yes. lovely. Soft, soft, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, so she... Uh, so basically the workshop starts off with kind of a talking about the philosophy of education, why we educate people at all, why we want to have chosen to educate our own, um, the, the, the deeper meaning of education. And then I talk about working one-on-one with your children, what subjects are, are most effective to be one-on-one with and what subjects work really well as family learning. So the whole early part of the sort of first half of the workshop is how we most effectively work one-on-one with our kids, how to set up our home, what resources to use, um, and uh, how, you know, what the rest of your family's doing while you're working one-on-one, you know, what that looks like. And then the second half of the video is how to really have that family-centered, cozy, beautiful learning that we were hoping for when we started homeschooling. Like we all had this... (laughs) in our imagination of how it was going to <laughs> Most people will say after three or four years, like, you know, that's not what it's looking like. <laughs> what happened, but that's not what it's looking like. You know, um, and so, uh, so that's what I'm trying to impart. So really for parents, how to develop in yourself the ways that we can make this cozy as opposed to how to be a curriculum, how to develop a curriculum, how to make it cozy, how to make it beautiful, how to make it relational. So the undercurrent is always relationship first, right? I I shared with you the link of the little books, Homeschooling Simplified series. Can I show one? So, you know what I'm talking about. So I've got these little, um, I've got five of these little books that are, just showing them for and you. This for will your- be on the show page as well. Yeah, and the um, they they basically the books are the transcript of the workshop sections of the workshop. Uh, because people would say at the end of the workshop, "Don't you have something I can take home?" You know, and uh, and so I developed those because they wanted something to go and read. You know, when they got home, like, how can I remember this? How can I uh, sort of continue this? What do I, I can't remember all the details. I couldn't write it down fast enough, you know. So that's what they were all about. So that's another way of, um, most people like to have the workshop and the books, you know, because it helps them uh, be able to have more than one medium to look at when they're, when they're thinking about how they want to change things to, to uh, make their homeschooling work. By the way, I always recommend to moms, don't change things if it's working. If it's working, just because my way works and has been effective and, and lovely and all that, if your way is working, don't change it, you know? <laughs> Look at change if, if it's not working. And, you know, one of the clues to it not working is, you know, people crying all the time, right? <laughs> 
there's a lot of crying in your house. That might be a clue. <laughs> That's a good point. So, so tell us about your gift as we, uh, as we wrap up. My gift. Oh, oh, no, the, the, the workshop. Okay. So the video workshop is a full day workshop, four and a half hours of, of video broken into four sections. Um, there's a PDF that goes with it that, uh, tells you sort of stopping points so it's easy to find your way around the video if you're looking for a specific um, segment. Uh, and then all of the resources are embedded in the PDF so that you can you know, link on Amazon or link on wherever you need to go to find the resources I'm mentioning. Um, and so it normally is a $75 workshop and it's down to, what did I put it at? $40 mm-hmm. for yeah. parents. So you have a coupon. Yeah, it's a coupon code. So you just click on the link uh, and then you type in the coupon code and it will automatically, you know, price it at $40 for, for okay, parents. Okay, and we will put it on the show notes, but what is the coupon code for our listeners, Bonnie? The coupon code is all caps, make joy normal. Great. Okay, great. I'll make it valid until October 15th because, you know, once you're up and running and parents have a chance to, to uh, listen to the podcast or whatever. Okay, fantastic. Parents, just, just sort of a note, if somebody reads this after October 15th, just contact me. You know, if coupon code, please, please contact me. Don't hesitate to do that. Okay, and give uh, us the name of your call? website, Bonnie. Sure. Um, www.ohthatsimple.com. And the homepage will take you to the link for the video. Uh, and then my blog is uh, practicingmammal.com. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. This will all be in the show notes, everybody. Oh, that's simple.com and practicingmammal.com. Bonnie, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been so much fun. I feel more <laughs> joyful already. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay, score, gotcha. score one for yeah. the joy team. Uh, all right, and we are going to have Bonnie back in December to talk about keeping the joy in Christmas. So be looking for that. And everybody, please stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi there, it's Chantal Howard from Ideal to Real. Once again, helping moms bring about their holy dreams in everyday life. On this episode, I want to share with you about one golden principle that has proven to be a hard lesson for me to learn, but one that the good Lord keeps asking me to face over and over again. And that is the truth of detachment from our stuff and the joy and contentment that comes to us when we do. I have a natural instinct to nest and collect and create, organize and establish beautiful spaces. I love it when everything feels quaint and dainty with a shelf and a hook for everything. But before too long, spaces begin to feel like one of those antique shops overflowing with junk, cool junk, but nonetheless, stuff that just pushes me out and makes my space hard to enjoy. So over the years, I've learned to purge, dump, give, and let go on a regular basis. Just a few weeks ago, I went through another detachment phase when we moved our family of seven into a fifth wheel to live out on my mother's farm to take in the beauty and rugged, simple life for the summer. My heart has soared with the simplicity this has created. So as we begin to settle into our school year, I encourage you to make a point of establishing a giveaway bin, 
a place where you can quickly and easily designate things that are no longer serving you. Once a month, take them down to your local Goodwill and give them away. As part of your regular family culture, keep challenging each other to pare down, clean out, and let go. And here's a bonus thought. How about paring down on the curriculum chaos? KonMari, your schoolroom. Many of you are familiar with Maria Kondo's technique for letting go. If not, Google it. You'll love discovering how she helps you to hold on to the things that bring you joy. Just like we're finding the farm healing and refreshing, so do little minds when they don't get stuck in endless worksheets or busy work. Our goal isn't to do public school at home. We want to take our kids deep into wonder and awe and critical thinking. In order for this to be accomplished, simplicity is key. I encourage you not to get caught in the web of every new shiny homeschool curriculum that flashes before you. To recap, be sure to establish a giveaway bin, declutter your home and your homeschool, and encounter the great joy and freedom that comes about when you do. You can find me at chantal-howard.com and aromarosary.com. I look forward to joining you on another episode of From Ideal to Real. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.